What is up, Regulators Familia? It's your boy, Waldo, here on another edition of the Regulators Podcast, but it is a very special episode, and that is not just because we have officially surpassed the one-year mark, and we have now been up and running for over a year, um, which we appreciate very, very much, and uh, more to come on that, but it's a very special episode because I am joined by the mighty mock master himself. The previewer of all previewers, Justin fucking Snyder. Welcome to the show, good man. Good to be back, Waldo. Uh, remember we did this, started off a year ago. It's uh, fucking crazy, right? It is, man. It's evolved quite nicely. Uh, it's draft time, very, very special time. You know, we're in April. Draft's coming up in a couple of weeks. You know, we got all these mocks coming out. I'll have mine dropped in about a week or two. Looking forward to doing that. Looking forward to talking some draft. Oh, I'm so excited for the draft. And for anybody who doesn't know who's been hidden under a rock somewhere, um, we have tons of giveaways. We are going to do a live, live show on Twitter Spaces. If you don't have Twitter, I'm sorry, that's the only way it's going to be live. But on draft night, if you cannot get to a television set, if for whatever reason you know you're looking for draft coverage but you just can't get it done, Listen, we got you covered. We are going to be doing a live broadcast during the draft. We're going to get on a little bit early. It'll be some questions and answers. You guys will be able to jump on and interact. And then once the draft goes live, it's going to get lit. We're going to do tons of giveaways. I'm talking about signed merch, jerseys, all kinds of things that we're going to get back to you guys, the listeners, because I appreciate that you have helped us get to you know this platform that we we've got and last year you know j-man when when you did your mock last year which was an amazing mock as usual beat everybody all the daniel jeremiah's and the mel kuyper juniors you know and much respect to them like it's it's not an easy gig um but you you laid it down but i think at the time we had like 40 listeners um not a lot of followers on twitter it was we had just started this up and now we're four thousand plus strong on the Twitterverse, and uh, everybody's tuning in, so no added pressure, you know, at all, but uh, definitely excited to uh, see your mock this year and, and go live on draft night. Yeah, you know, the mock's going to be interesting. You know, you have some people who start their mocks a little early, and with just the changes alone with, uh, you know, teams moving up, teams moving back, Miami, San Francisco, Philadelphia, the Jets trade a Darnold to Carolina. You know, that changes up these mocks, you know, so much. You know, that's why I try to do one, you know, a week or two out, uh, you know, try to project as close as I can. You know, because you just, you know, you don't know, you know, what movement's going to be taking place, who's going to sign who. You know, so to do them so far out, you know, it's almost impossible to even come Yeah, close. and we, we've always talked about that. Like, a lot of these guys do their mock version 30.0, and it's like just so that they can say that in one of their mocks they had this guy going ninth overall. Like, it's really kind of ridiculous. For sure. If, if you do 15 mocks, you're eventually You're going to hit some. Yeah, you're going to hit a few. So, um, with yours, you know, you always do your, your one mock draft, and, you know, I think I, I'm honestly a little bit afraid that I might lose you to an NFL team after this year but uh we'll see how it goes so you know let's let's just recap and again if you guys want to read uh j-man's mocks or all of his write-ups on the different positional breakdowns you can check us out on regulatorspod.com he's got the quarterbacks the tight ends the wide receivers most of the offense is on there and the defense is 
coming through soon. But uh, we're going to go through uh, some of his write-ups right now, and let's start with the quarterback position. Yeah, quarterback position, you know, it's interesting how it's evolved just over these past couple of weeks. Um, you know, going into the beginning of the season, you know, it was, it was always Trevor Lawrence won, you know, but you had Justin Fields, you know, kind of, you know, right behind him. They were both five-star prospects, and, you know, they were all, both always going, you know, kind of head-to-head. Um, you know, but just like last year where, you know, one great year changed everything for Joe Burrow, uh, you know, this that situation always kind of seems to transpire. Um, you know, Zach Wilson, you know, he, he was known. But, you know, after the season that he put together and, you know, the pro days and, you know, evaluators getting more into his tape, I mean, he seems to be the consensus number two. Um, so, and now let, let's talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I agree that that is the consensus, right? That's, that's what most of the talking heads are saying. But do you believe it? I do. I, I don't think the... Uh, I don't think Justin Fields would be in a situation where he would succeed with the Jets. <clears throat> you know, the Jets are doing now what they should have done with Arnold Darnold when he first came in. Yeah. Um, you know, come in, you know, have draft capital to be able to build around um, your quarterback. You know, Darnold never had that. You know, he never had wide receivers. He never had running backs, tight ends to throw to. Um, you know, Frank Gore is one of my favorite players of all time, but, you know, when he's, you know, your leading running back, it, you know, it, it shows you need to build. Um, you know, so Darnold's going to a situation in Carolina where, you know, he'll have, a, you know, a chance to succeed, great running game, great wide receivers. Which I'm, I'm glad you're here for this because right before I did the last episode, you and I were texting, and I said, yeah, I'm going to get on the podcast and talk about how uh, the – the Panthers got fleeced, and you were like, what the fuck are you talking about? So, please, like, tell, tell me your argument for Carolina. You're Carolina. How does this make sense for you? I, I think, first off, it's a win-win for both teams. Um, you know, Carolina gets a quarterback, you know, with a decent cap number that they can, uh, they can kind of build further around. You know, obviously they don't think Teddy Bridgewater's the answer. You know, so they're getting blows my mind for sure. You know, and you know they're getting a, a young Darnold in. Um, you know, change of scenery is always nice. You know, we've seen it a lot. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill, for example. You know, he went to. Uh, you know, you get out of that Adam Gase <laughs> yeah, offense. Also got away from Gase for sure. You get out of that Adam Gase offense and you move, and you know we're going to be able to see what you know he's going to be able to do with some weapons. And then you have you know say for example the Jets do pick. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson, they have draft capital for years to be able to build around him as opposed to, you know, just basically taking a quarterback and having nothing around him and hoping for the best. I think for me, it's not so much as an indictment on Sam Darnold. Like, I, I think the Jets, you know, cleaned up. They did well, and they've got four first-round picks over the next couple drafts. They're building capital the way the Dolphins have. And a lot of people forget, you know, Joe Douglas, as I've mentioned previously, he was with the Ravens, got a ring there. He was with the Eagles, got a ring there. And he came into an Adam Gase situation where Gase was already there. He was the interim GM, and then he took over. And since taking over, he's gotten multiple first-round picks. Um, you know, he's, he's starting to build up that capital, and I think that, you know, the league might be sleeping on him a little bit. So, and plus, I thought the Robert Salahire was, was great, and I, I think he's going to do good things with the New York Jets. But on the Panthers' side, it's not so much that I don't think 
Sam Darnold could be the guy because he's too young to completely write off. But for me, it was the two, the four, and the six, and having Teddy Bridgewater there. I don't believe that if there is a jump in talent, which they perceive, um, because otherwise, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is the fourth most accurate passer in NFL history, and they're saying, no, but we believe Sam Darnold could be the future. Like, I don't believe there's enough there for me to warrant a two, a four, and a six. Like, that's where I think the Panthers got fleeced. It's not because I think Sam Darnold's a bum. It's not because I don't think that he could fit in with what Matt Rule is trying to do. It's the two, the four, and the six. When you see some of the caliber talent that, you know, has been picked up for much less, and that's where, for me, I think right now, it looks like the Panthers were a little bit over a barrel. So if you look at the flip side of that, you know, what would the Panthers' other option be? It would be to draft or to draft a quarterback, right? Right, or or stick with Bridgewater. For sure. So after you just last year gave him like sixty million dollars. For sure, but you know, so they made the choice. You know that obviously they want to go out and you know try to upgrade the quarterback position. So you're you know you're sitting at pick eight in the draft, and you know the odds of you know one of these four even five guys falling to you has gotten slimmer and slimmer. You know as the weeks go on. You know one, two, and three. I mean, it's pretty much set that that's going to be, you know, quarterback. Um, you know, Atlanta at four, you know, is the wild card. You know, so if you're the Panthers, you know, you would have to look at, look at you know, possibly trading up to four. Right. And what would you have to give up for that? Yeah. You know, I so mean, it'd be more than you gave up for Sam Darnold, but you would think that the return on it is more than you have for Sam Darnold. But you also, you know, it's also the, you know, it's the unknown of the draft. You know, with, with taking these quarterbacks, you know, you just, you know, you don't know. And, you know, I think obviously Carolina thought, you know, that they see something in Darnold and, you know, they can kind of, you know. Yeah, and again, I'm not, I'm not anti-Darnold. I just feel like. You, you feel you, they gave up too much. Yeah, I feel, I feel they gave up a little too much. But I have said, if they flip Teddy for a two, which I, I would, if, again, if I'm the Broncos, if I'm the Giants, if I'm, you know, a, 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 maybe the Patriots, you know, I, I'm sending a two, put him on the plane right now. A two is nothing. Like, the Dolphins flipped a two for Josh uh, Rosen to see if he worked out, he didn't work out, whatever. Like, I know a two is, hypothetically, it's a, it's a high-round pick, but for, to get a pro, you know Teddy Bridgewater can play. Like, it's not a, like, he can play. Now, can he win a Super Bowl? I don't know, but he can play. And so. that's the thing. I mean, you know, you know his ceiling. You know, with Darnold, I, I, do I don't... We? I. I kind of think you do, you know? Okay, I mean, give me give me a comp with Teddy Bridgewater, and I know it's hard because he's a different kind of player, but give me a comp of his ceiling, like somebody who's already played or is at the very tail end of their career right now, that you think is Teddy Bridgewater's ceiling. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, now. I mean... Would you Tannehill? Okay, but look at Tannehill just got paid and he's their franchise guy. Do you think Tannehill will lead them to a Super Bowl? I think he can. Like, I'm not one to make predictions and say, oh, he will do it, but I think he absolutely can. Yeah, I just, I, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a quarterback who can get you I mean, into the playoffs. Possibly, we, we are but. talking about a quarterback who, you know, ha- was the number one rated quarterback in football and followed it up the next season by, like, being three or four or wh- wherever he ended up. But, like... The, the whole, but Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry. 
Motherfucker, Derrick Henry was there with Marcus Mariota. How come Marcus Mariota, who is a top fucking pick, like, how come he couldn't do that shit? So, this idea that, oh, it's only Derrick Henry, like, okay, you take away Emmett Smith from Aikman. You know, you take away some of the great running backs from these teams, that, and, like, does that mean they didn't really do it? I mean, for the whole crowd that screams that Tom Brady has been a game manager for 20 years and doesn't throw for 450 yards, he's never going to have a Dak Prescott-type game. He's not the seven-touchdown guy. Like, that's not who the fuck he is. But he wins, and he gets it done. Those same people just scream that Derrick Henry... And Derrick Henry's a god, don't get me wrong. But the point is, when you have someone who can orchestrate your offense the way that you need it to be done, and then can put those fucking dimes there when it, when it needs to be done, like, I mean, again, I'm not saying that a, a Teddy Bridgewater or Ryan Tannehill is Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or etc. How many Super Bowls has Aaron Rodgers won? And he's one of the baddest motherfuckers walking on the planet. He's going to run Jeopardy and do the NFL at the same time. He'll make that shit work. He is one of the baddest dudes I've ever seen, but he's got one Super Bowl to his name. Eli Manning has two. So when you ask me, can Ryan Tannehill, you know, take them to a Super Bowl? Absolutely. And I believe in Mike Rabel, and if he had some edge rushers, a little bit better defense, then you know what we might be talking about? the uh, Titans playing in the Super Bowl right now. So so back to Carolina. Yeah, so back to Carolina. <laughs> you know, I, I feel they, you know, they had an opportunity to go out and get a young quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Darnold's, what, 23 years old? Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, I, I just, you know, we haven't... It's a baby still. Yeah, we haven't truly seen what he's capable of doing. Cause Facts. He, you know, he's had nothing... For sure. He's had nothing around him. You know, and I, I think with Bridgewater... You know, I'm not arguing he's not a good, you know, a, a, a good solid quarterback. I just I feel that Carolina feels that with building around Darnold, they can grow together and that situation. So now here's what's funny about that is you just you heard yourself as you said it out loud, and that's why you're smiling. You're like, if they build around him, and now you're taking my exact same argument from me because in your mind, what you're basically saying is that they believe. And, and you see their thought process that Sam Darnold can be better than Ryan Tannehill if they put the pieces around him. And then again, we just got back to that same conversation. So it would be interesting for sure to see, see how it plays out. I'd love to see Sam Darnold uh, be successful. And, you know, if not even for any other reason, just to see another former Adam Gase quarterback like be released from his cage and be able to do his and thing. And I think if that's the situation, I... Adam Gase will never yeah, work ever again yeah. at uh, Dunkin' Donuts or anywhere else. Yeah, I think he's going to be... I think he would be done. I don't think Peyton Manning regrets a lot of things in his life, but I think vouching for Adam Gase is probably the one that he, he wishes he could have back. For sure. I mean, you and I could be the offensive coordinator of a Peyton Manning-run offense. You know, it's... Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but, uh, you know... I, I could, I could probably do it better than Adam Gase. For like. sure. And, and that's tongue-in-cheek. Like, please don't come at me on Twitter, bro. Like, I, like, I don't, I don't want to hear that shit. But come, come join us at Regulators Pod on Twitter anyway. Um, but let's, let's move on with the rest of your quarterbacks. Yeah, so, you know, we talked about, you know, I think Zach Wilson's the consensus number two now. So you got Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two. And, uh, you know, so now you come into that three spot with, with San Francisco. And I think when that trade was first made, I think everybody thought that trade was made for Justin Fields. 
Um, you know, you, you talked about Fields playing in a Shanahan offense. Um, you know, with his athleticism and, you know, being able to make the simple reads. You know, Fields critics basically say he can make one read. You know, he can't get to that second, to that third read. And but, see, so here's interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up because I've – I've looked at so many things, and honestly, I first thought when they came up for number three, I thought it would be for Zach Wilson because I still was under the impression that Justin Fields was the second-best quarterback in the draft. Trevor Lawrence is one. I get it. But then I, I, I saw Justin Fields. I mean, I remember before the national championship game, like that game that he had and everyone was like, oh, my God, Justin Fields is insane, amazing. When he beat Clemson. And then, you know, they have a bad game, and it's like, oh, this guy's a bum. He's not going to make it in the NFL. Like, the the swing is so crazy, and we've seen that. For sure. I mean, it's, you know, he's basically gone from the second quarterback to uh, possibly the fifth. Um, That's insane. It, it is insane. You know? and, and granted, like, 50% of all first-round quarterbacks are, are busts. You know, we, you, you and I have talked about that prior to 2019 – of all the top three quarterbacks that have been drafted, the only two that are still with their team is Matt Ryan and Baker Mayfield. And that's amazing. And that's just, that's absurd. It, so it really is. there's no such thing as a can't-miss prospect. There's no such thing. But, you know, when you look at what you can gauge, what you can see on the tape and things like that, um, and now there's supposedly, uh, you know, if anyone listens to the Pat McAfee show, great show. You know, we are not sponsored with them in any way, shape, or form, but Pat and the boys really just do a bang-up job over there. And uh, they were talking to uh, the Sanchez, Mark Sanchez, and uh, he was talking about this uh, this test that tests for memory and things like that. And supposedly, Justin Fields, like, tested off the charts, like one of, one of the highest to ever take it, um, higher than Mahomes and uh, a lot of these other guys. So... You know, back watching the tape and how they call the offense and things like that, I don't know if I... Like, I, I see what people say when they're like, oh, he, he doesn't get off that first read, but I feel like the majority of times it's designed to... Is the first read there? Does he throw it? Like, then what the fuck? You, you, you want him to sit around and, and wait? Like, I get it. You do have to process much faster at the NFL level, and you need to kind of know, hey, I mean, we talked about Fitzy getting that ball out, uh, and um, Big Ben getting that ball out in under two seconds. You know, Manning at the end of his career. It's 1.6 seconds and out, you know, so... Yeah, you need to be able to scan the field, and, you know, you at least want to try to get to that third read, and, you know, that's the knock against him is, you know, when the play breaks down, you know, he does have some athleticism, you know, he can kind of get out of the pocket, and... But it's can he make those out of the pocket throws, and that's what we do know about Zach Wilson is, you know, when he's on the run, you know, we saw it on his pro day, you know, he makes amazing throws. You know, when his feet aren't set, I mean, there was the one throw where he was literally both feet off the ground, body completely contorted, and just you know threw a laser. And you know, usually you know we have a combine. And, you know, you could evaluate quarterbacks from the combine, you know, and then you can touch those things up on pro days. You know, we don't have that option this year. That's why the drafts, yeah. you know, that's why evaluation is this year is so much on game tape, you know, as opposed to those. Which could days. be a good thing because I think, you know, we've talked about, like, I hate pro days. I think they're glorified 
playing catch, and it's worse than playing catch because it's scripted catch. It's For like, sure. all right, you're, you're going to roll to the left, you're going to pretend there's a linebacker, do a shimmy. Sh like, these guys rehearse just throwing the ball to a wide receiver who is not covered by anyone. So your argument is game tape is the most important thing. For sure. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it should definitely be, you know, your leading factor because, again, it's just like these guys who run a, a 4 three forty, and it's like, all right, how fast can you go with pads on? For sure. Because every year we see that those guys that are the fastest ball carriers are not Tyreek Hill. You know, all, all due respect to the cheetah. Um, it's just, it's, it's a different level. And when those throws, like you're talking about, I feel like I get excited when I see those in game, for sure, but then I feel like, I don't want to get trapped because I feel like it's the sexy siren luring me into the rocks. Like, everybody loves Patrick Mahomes, even if he didn't have a Super Bowl win, because he throws a no-look pass, because he scrambles around and does some, like, Madden shit where he throws it backwards up over his head. Like, that's cute and all, and that's awesome, but there's people with lots of rings that, you know... Don't do that stuff. And that's not to discredit Patrick Mahomes. That's awesome. If you can be a badass quarterback and do that stuff, then that's cool, which Mahomes is. He's he's And I think down. that's what you kind of see in Zach Wilson. You know, you go back and watch the tape, and, you know, a lot of these throws that he makes, you know, they are off balance, those side angle arm throws. And, you know, he's very, very accurate. And, you know, the argument with, with Justin Fields is, you know, you just don't see that. And, you know, Justin Fields had those two games, you know, that one against Northwestern where, I mean, he was just absolutely awful. And that's, you know, that's a game that a lot of people come back to is, you know, you have a player who played like that against Northwestern, but then you had a player who played against Clemson like he was lights out. You know, is he more the Northwestern Yeah, which person are you For getting? For sure, or are you just getting somebody in the middle? Um, you know, so... We have Zach Wilson at two, and then, you know, at with three, with San Francisco trading up, you know, when they first traded up, you know, like I said before, you would have thought they're going for Justin Fields, and now you're hearing so much about them, you know, for Mac Jones, and if that's the case, I mean, that completely shakes up the three, four, five slots for so quarterback. So, this is just my opinion, and obviously, like, I've never even come close to mocking as well as you, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but in my opinion... I think Matt Jones' agent is feeding Schefter lines of bullshit because he knows that Mac might drop out of the top ten. So he's trying to make it look like Mac is so sought after that if Fields goes at three, that someone wants to trade up at four or five or six, like someone wants to get him because, oh, he could have gone at three and he's still there. I think they want to embed that into your mind because up until then... It was, like you said, it was it was Fields right behind Lawrence, and then you had Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance was being talked about. You know, now and Mac Jones was that fifth quarterback. Right. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, Mac's going number three, and the 49ers gave up three ones to maybe come get him. And it could happen, you know, but I personally, it just, and, and Schefter is saying he would be shocked if the pick isn't Mac Jones, and I'm like, why would you, because like, it, like, even if that was the like, they're not giving that to you. Like, unfortunately, even the Shafters and the Ian Rappaport, everybody's being used right now, and it's smoke season. It's all bullshit. Nobody knows, and half the teams haven't even formulated their draft boards yet. Like, they, they don't have it finalized. So that's not going to happen until, like, a week before the draft. They go in, and if you're, like, uh, Gruden and Mayock, you lock everybody out of the building, you send everybody home. So, like, there's 
there's not a lot of people that are going to know that information, and most of the people that are in contact with the Schefters of the world are agents of players. For sure. You know, the, the one thing that has me thinking is, if it is Mac Jones, did San Francisco really need to trade up all the way to three to get him? Yeah, you know, so that's, you know, I, I understand, you know, you got a quarterback, he completed 77% of his passes, um, you know, he won the national championship, and... I, if he is the pick, I think the thinking is, you know, with San Francisco having, uh, you know, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Kittle at tight end, that if you can bring a quarterback in who's accurate, can, you know, can make those accurate throws and, you know, be a solid game manager, I, I guess. But, like, think about who you just described. No, I, who did you just describe? Say it out loud. Who did you just describe? You're talking about Tim? Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, we, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, I... You're not. You know, you're not wrong. I, and that's why I just... I, I don't... Now, granted, you're getting, you're getting a guy much younger that could hopefully be much more than that. But if you're talking about what you're saying, if you're saying... A game manager with all the skill we have. We play great defense, etc. We were in the Super Bowl not that long ago. We can get there. Then that's not the kind of person that says, let's trade three number ones to go up and get a game manager. Like that doesn't, which is why to me, and I'm probably fucking with your whole mock draft right now, but like that's why to me, I'm like, it's got to be Fields if he's still on the board. Or, or, you, or, or you know, like, like I just, I, I don't see it. But again, you know, I, you know, I also again, you know, let's not take Trey Lance out of this uh, sure. situation either, because, like you said, with Garoppolo there, um, you know, San Francisco has a window right now. You know, yes. their, their window to win is now. Um, you know, if you're a Dolphins fan, obviously you're hoping that window closes really quick. You know, because obviously it helps us down the road. Yeah, they would love to see. Oh, oh, whoa. I just fell out of oh, fell out of my chair twice here. We we said this was going to happen before the show, and I'm on the stable chair. But um, you know, as a Dolphins fan, like you would hope that yeah, they have a rookie quarterback behind center. He's going to have Peyton Manning type first season, throw 30 interceptions, and you know that could be a top three pick, like what the Dolphins ended up with uh, with Houston. Yeah, I mean overall, I think San Francisco gave up quite a bit. Um, it, it's just. It's and it's fine. Like, like if if you see a guy, and this is your guy, and as you mentioned, they're closer than a lot of teams. They do have a lot going for them, and I pounded the table for Brandon Ayuk. I think he's special as hell. So I think that, you know, go get your guy, but that to me does not scream game manager. That doesn't scream, you know, oh, we just need one of these guys. You know, like I think they've identified two quarterbacks behind Trevor Lawrence that they think – this guy is special. Like, this is somebody who could lead us for the next decade plus. Let's go get this fucking guy. And again, no disrespect to Mac Jones. And who the fuck am I? I'm just some schmuck. I'm, I'm not a professional scout. But I look at what the others have done on the field and just watching their game tape. And to me, and, and that doesn't mean all four of them could be successful. You know, they could all have great careers. You know, we, we've seen good quarterback classes before. But... I think that for me, I just don't know they how you pass up. Yeah. yeah, like how do you pass? If Justin Fields is on the board at three and you take Mac Jones, 
that to me is like what like they know something I don't like they have sure. they have some sort of insight where they're like yeah but the the personnel that we put on the field the the scheme that we it's run, a fit. like it's a fit right it's it's a fit so it's a lot of ones to give up for a fit but We'll see. Yeah, just my thoughts. So, but back to Trey Lance because you know some people worry about him being that you know kind of one year you know wonder. Um, dispel as much of that myth as possible for me. Tell me what you love about him. Well, first off, you know it's it's not a myth. I mean, it is pretty fairly accurate. You know, he had a great 2019 season. You know, 2020 he was only able to play one game. He was not, yeah, now he was not great in that game. Not, and that, he was that, not, he was, that hurt him more than it helped him. You know, he threw his first interception ever, um, you know, in college. But Yeah, and I, I hated that because I had this running stat that Trey Lance hasn't thrown an interception since high school. And, um, you know, and then he comes into this one game that they didn't have a season, they didn't have anything, and you, you blew the record. Like, because that'd be a great draft night nugget. Here's a guy who hasn't. Uh, thrown an interception since he was like 13 years old, um, but yeah. So you know, one knock obviously is he played in the FCS. Um, you know, so he never played against uh, you know a higher level of competition. You know, but you know he's six three, 225 pounds. He has a phenomenal arm. Um, you know, he's got great athleticism. You know, he's your prototype quarterback. And as, as far you, as today's NFL. As you mentioned, in 2019, you know, he throws 28 touchdowns, no picks. Like, he also, mean, that's, that's he not also, easy to do. He also ran for 1,100 yards. Oh, yeah, that's know. right. 14 touchdowns on the ground, right? For sure, yeah. So, yeah. you know, he's there's a lot of ability there, and there's a lot to like. Um, you talked about him uh, as possibly someone who should redshirt for a year, you know, in the NFL. And is that not the perfect situation for Atlanta? My man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just, that's why Trey Lance, to, you know, so. Because you're not giving Matt Ryan $43 million uh, next year. Like he, sure. and, that, and so here's, here's, here's the thing. Atlanta, in most cases, it was kind of a fluky year. They're not going to be this high again. You're not. You know, so you're not going to be in a situation where you can get a top three, top four quarterbacks. I mean, hopefully not, you know. I for mean, sure. obviously, a few years ago, they had that abysmal season you know, so out of nowhere. I think Atlanta, for it, you have, you've got Pitts, the tight end. And that's I hard could, to pass up. For sure. And that's, and that's the thing with, you know, you, you got Matt Dolphins Ryan, fans won't want to hear that, but. No, but know. with Julio Jones and, and Ridley on the outside, you put Pitts there, I, I mean, that yeah, is. And you mentioned a window, like that window's closing with the Weakness. For sure, you know. So you either got to think, you know, do we want to, do we, do we feel we have a team that we could take a chance on this year? If that's the case, you go get Pitts. If you don't feel that, and you feel like that window's closing, you feel it's closing on Ryan, you feel like it's closing on Julio, then do you take that chance and hit that reset button? Because I've said that I think the Falcons have to come out of this draft with a quarterback. For sure. Now, whether it's at four or whether they trade back, whether they, you know, because their phone is ringing. But their we phone could, is ringing. We could right both now. agree we don't see the Falcons being this high after a season where Matt Ryan is the quarterback again. Right? You know, with Julio and Calvin Ridley, you know, you, you got to figure they're going to win, you know, at minimum five, six, seven games. You would, you would think, but I mean, 
damn man, stranger things have happened. For sure, like you, you know, know, for sure, you know. So, but it's also it's a, it's a new regime, it's a new coach, you know, it's a it's a new yeah, GM. So basically, Atlanta has three options, right? You could you could stay and pick, um, hope Matt Ryan gets it done. You could take Trey Lance and have him sit behind Ryan, and then or hopefully every quarter, or you trade back. Yeah. And trading back, I, I believe at four is, I you know I really think yeah, it's, it's going to happen. I don't see Cincinnati trading back. Um, I think they want to go get one of those top wide receivers or you know Penesul. Bro, if they draft a fucking wide receiver, I swear to God, like I I I don't care how great Jamar Chase is and he played at L- LSU. Does he block? Like, does he pass got, block? Yeah, because you got to protect. We don't Burrow. even know if week one we're going to see Burrow because sure. his original timeline put him into this year's season before he'd be ready, and that means no off season, no mini camps, no preseason, none of that. His so, second straight year of that, right? right yeah. Exactly. So you're taking a rookie that you com- had malpractice and just put behind this porous offensive line. They were screaming at the Dolphins, like how dare they start Tua with that offensive line that was, it wasn't world beaters, but it's not like it was one of the worst ones in the league. For sure. But meanwhile, you've got the Bengals who had the worst offensive front and they they literally just put him back there and, and sacrificed him to the gods and now you're telling me you have a chance to take Panay Sewell or Slater, you can like start bolstering this offensive line and say, Hey, listen, we don't know when Joe's gonna be back, but this is supposed to be this was the number one overall pick. We weren't trading this pick for anything because this is our fucking guy. Go protect your guy, because if you take a wide receiver Oh my God, he's going to be catching passes from a backup quarterback. So what's it matter? You know, and it's not like at wide receiver they're hurting. You know, they took T. Higgins last year. They got Tyler Boyd. You know, I, I understand they lost A.J. Green, but you know, what was he really offering much? You know, they have they have capable pass catchers. They do not have the a capable. The only reason line. I think they could get stupid is because Zach Taylor's beyond the hot seat. Like the fact that he still has a job is 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 mind blowing, but I'm sure he convinced them. Hey, we're getting a new quarterback now. It was a, just like Adam Gase did, you know. Hey, you know, it wasn't my fault. It was a quarterback who oh, sold me sure. back. Yeah. So I don't think they will necessarily make a lot of moves that are for you know two years down the road, three years down the road. So that might be the situation why they do something stupid. But yeah. man, if I'm ownership, I'm stepping in and saying, how many offensive linemen are we getting? Yeah, like that's. Yeah, so I, you know, I do see Cincinnati. I, I really do see them taking Panay Sewell. Um, you know, so the draft basically, you know, it starts at four, yeah. right? You know, it starts at it, Atlanta. You know, so if we're making the case that, you know, Jaguars are taking Lawrence, uh, you got Zach Wilson too, um, and then that third pick, you know, is it Mac Jones or Justin Fields? The draft basically starts at four. Um, you know, so is Atlanta going to trade back? Um, you know, with the Dolphins trading up, back up to six, it's pretty obvious they're going to stay and pick. They're going to take um, a weapon. Yeah, they're going to take a wide I mean, unless, unless something, again, somebody tumbles, let's say Mac Jones goes, let's say Trey Lance goes, you know, and then all of a sudden Justin Fields is sitting there and there's some talent and somebody's at eight or nine. Again, you, you talked about, you know, the Broncos are back there. Um, I think the... Uh, I forget who's so, behind them. Uh, I have Lions at yeah, seven, yeah. right? So, so, so it, it, you come up one spot, 
you know, and yeah. what, what do you give up, you know, a, for a sure. second, a, yeah, if, you know. And that's, that, that's, that's why I do somewhat agree with your argument as far as the Dolphins go. If, you're, if the Dolphins are on the clock at six and you're a team behind Detroit, uh, you know, say a Denver or, uh, you know, I don't really want to go too far back like New England, but, you know, say at nine, okay? Right. Um, you know, the Dolphins could still technically trade back to nine and still possibly get you know, like a Jalen Waddle or, you know, a situation where that might yes, play out. Yeah. Um, you know, the Lions taking a quarterback is interesting. They have golf. They have a lot of picks. Um, you know, so, at, you know, at seven, you know, you can kind of see one of these. Uh, you know, it would be interesting. You know, they, they they got all those picks. They got those those three number ones for Stafford. And what if, what if the Lions, you know, worked something out with the Falcons? What if... I mean, it's it's not unreasonable. They're not that far down. That could be something that could really fuck up the mocks as well. For sure. Yeah. I mean, any of these trades can you know can mess up everything. I will never forget the mock draft where uh, it was probably one of the first years you and I put money on it, and you were doing your mock draft, and and we were watching it, and you were good out the gate, and all of a sudden here come the Bears with Mitchell Trubisky. And you just fucking lost it. And you're like, that's it. I'm done. It's fucking over. Like, and the whole draft from there just like was off by like one or two picks. And all of your guys that were ta- they were like, you know, within one or two of where they actually got drafted. Yeah, but it just fucked your whole draft. And I was laughing like, hysterically you know, so the take, whole time. Take for example, you know, what if on draft night, you know, this San Francisco... Dolphins Eagles trade happens, you know. So you got all these guys with their mock drafts out, and then you got San Francisco jumping up to three, you know. And all yeah. the, it would just Miami was sitting at three, and they were sure. going to take this guy. You know, they weren't going to take a quarterback. You know, and then so you, if all that happened on draft night, you know, it, it'd be a mute point anyway. It, it, it would all be done, you know. So it is nice that some of these trades happen, you know, before. But we are going to have, you know, first round trades. You know, it's going to happen. Um, Atlanta at four. Detroit at seven, uh, Carolina possibly moving back out of eight, Denver at nine. You know, a lot of these. You know, so that's that's kind of where these options are, um, and then you got to see where these teams fall. And you know, yeah, I, ca- I can't wait to see like which player is the first reach. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's gonna gonna make that reach, whether it's uh, Jerry Jones. You know, somebody's gonna gonna either trade up or even just sitting where they are, but take a guy that's like you know got a second round grade on him. And then somebody is going to fall, and somebody is going to get the deal of a lifetime, and that's that's what I'm excited to see. You know, who will be this year's Laramie Tunsil? You know, what is going to happen? Because it's and it's always days before the draft, if not hours before the draft. We hear there's a domestic uh, violence video some that's news, been released, like sure. like some shit comes out, and you know that people were sitting on this. For just sure. waiting for the opportune time to say that Dan Marino's on drugs and nobody should take him. That Laramie like, Tunzel mask video. I mean, look how that that video changed the course of the NFL and put the Dolphins where they are in, in that situation. Right the now. Dolphins, the Texans, for sure. The 49ers, the Eagles, like yes. uh, all of it. You changed the course of the NFL, yeah. and it's amazing how one little thing you know can create this effect where it just drops down the line. Yeah, the ripple effect is ridiculous. For sure. Um, um, you know, so, you know, back to quarterbacks, you know, real quick, just to touch on them. You know, so you have these consensus top five, right? You got Lawrence Fields, Wilson, Lance, and Jones. 
And, you know, I, I do see, you know, all five going in the top ten. I really do. Wow. Yeah. I You know, I, I we've never had four quarterbacks drafted back-to-back-to-back-to-back to, back to, back to, back yeah. to start the draft. You know, it's been three. You know, two years it's been done, maybe three. Um, but I do see those five quarterbacks going just simply based on a team is going to trade up to take that fourth or fifth quarterback, and, it, you know, it's going to create that situation. And, and right now, obviously a lot can change in a year, as we know, but right now the buzz around next year's quarterback class is nothing like what it is with this year's For sure. Class. You know, you don't, have the, you don't have that great high-end talent like you do in Lawrence. And yeah, we were talking about Fields and Lawrence, like, last sure, year. So sure. Yeah, so next year it's, you know, obviously Sam Howell, North Carolina, um, you know the kid Clovis from USC. You know, so there's there's a couple, but you know, a speaking seat, of North Carolina, they had a coaching change. I yeah, know that, uh, uh, you know, I'm a big UNC basketball fan. Roy Williams retired. Uh, you know, it broke my heart. You know, he's been there for for years. Um, won a couple of national championships. You know, so Hubert Davis come in, and uh, you know, a lot of people might know him from his time at ESPN. Um, you know, he's been with North Carolina for quite a while now, so, you know, he, uh, nice segue, by the way, thank you. He came in, uh, took over the head coaching job, you know, so it'd be interesting to see North Carolina, uh, get back on track there. But, uh, yeah, Roy Williams, my favorite coach of all time, you know, wish him the best, and, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a strange time, you know, I think this year with, uh, with COVID and, you know, how things change, I, I really feel like it kind of ate at him and, yeah. yeah I've, I've well, and speaking about getting back on track, one of the most interesting picks for me is smack dab in the middle of the draft. The Pats are sitting at 15. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. They spent a lot of money in free agency. Um, you know, so is it a situation where you think Cam Newton is a guy? I, 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 <laughs> I love like I'm waiting for you to fit like the guy, a guy, yeah, like, I, you know, are you buying it? Because I loved the signing. When they signed Cam Newton for pennies on the dollar, I was like, damn, this is great. You know, Josh McDaniels has to be licking his chops over this. Mm -hmm. And then it was just mierda. Like, everything was crap, and the offense, I, like, I felt like someone abducted Josh McDaniels because he's a brilliant offensive mind. Mm -hmm. And the way he schemes up his pick plays, he's been able to run offensive pass interference for the last 20 years and never get called on it. Like, the guy is literally... He, he knows what he's doing, and I thought that he would just go ham with someone like Cam Newton. And in the first couple games, you know, they took Seattle down to the wire. They beat Miami. Um, like, they look like, okay, they have a team here. And then it just, Cam got COVID, and he was never the same. Yeah, it, and just, that, it that fell was, apart on him. And, I mean, let's be honest, New England's going to be completely different this year than they were last year. Um, you know, They're getting a lot of players back. For um, sure, and you know you got two of the great best tight ends in the league, and uh, John New Hunter coming in. Shit, it's um, going to be twelve twenty two personnel for sure. all yeah. day long. I mean, I, 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 that's why at fifteen, you know, I, there's not really you would be reaching, possibly at a receiver. Um, but know, see, you, I think I think you're thinking normal. See, like here's here's the pro and this is just my thought process, right? Is you're thinking with the mind of Bill Belichick. You're thinking, all right, well, given what we know Bill is prone to do, but Bill's not prone to sign the two highest tight ends out of free agency. He's not prone to set the record for NFL free agency spending, but yet that's what he's doing, which to me, you and I talked about this last offseason, 
I think he's seeing that exit sign. You know, doesn't mean it's coming this year, but he sees it on the horizon. And especially now that Tom just won one without him, like he needs to say, hey, I built this shit. Tom was an important cog in the machine, but like this is me. So I think that there is a possibility that Bill goes outside of what anybody would expect him to do and so therefore you need to stop thinking like Bill and start just thinking as a team that has you know the assets that they have what do they need to really be successful do you agree if he wins one he's done yeah yeah Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's I, the I thinking, think that, right? Yeah. If he could prove, you know, yeah. that I he wins I, one, yeah. yeah. If he proves he wins one without Brady, I think he's if he, whatever. Ha- if he if he wins one or has a losing season moving forward, mm-hmm. I think either one will will, will for sure. Do, you know, so you know, if he if he goes like you know eleven and this is so hard for me now six. You know, I, I'm so used to going you know ten and six, eleven and five, but now like I have to stop. I have a hiccup in my mind. Not that I'm shit bad at math. But it just it fucks with me because I want to say eleven and five, but it'd be eleven and six now with the seventeen game schedule. But if he goes eleven and six, something like that, he gets to a championship game and then he loses. You know, I think he's still coming back for more. Um, but yeah, if he rides off into the sunset, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that he plays this team out. Meaning, you know, he signed these guys to three, four year contracts. You know, so I think you know. But so let's let's get back to the draft pick. You're at fifteen. Cam Newton's your quarterback. I would have to assume you're out of reach for one of those five guys. So, throwing out all conventional wisdom, basically what you're saying, you know, you, you would make the argument that New England could what trade up for a quarterback, and how does that trade up that? for trade up? Well, you could look at it two different ways. You could trade up for a quarterback, which, like you said, if if they're going to have to come up to four, five, or six, or something, that's a lot. Like that's a lot. Um, or they could stay or maybe even trade back a little bit. Maybe a Kyle Trask falls to them. I don't know. But, or they trade up from 15 to say 10-ish with the Cowboys. They trade to not, One of those skill players is there that they're salivating over and they've already got their two tight ends locked down. Pitts we know will be off the board. Chase is gone. But maybe Devontae Smith or Waddle is still sitting there on the board at 9 or 10 just because of all those. You mentioned five of those guys being quarterbacks. You mentioned, you know, Panay Sewell, like all this stuff. There's going to be a skill player somewhere in there that's going to fall. And if Bill doesn't say, hey, you know what, I'll throw in an extra one. Let's just fucking get this done. Let me go get this done. Because they need a wide receiver, right? With Edelman, with all his injury history, you know, they don't even know if he'll be able to play a full year next year. And Nikhil Harry has not, you know, shown up to be, you know, what he was supposed to do. That was a, I was wrong on that one because I really thought he was going to be a solid pro. That's all right. We we all get our misses. You know what? If, If NFL GMs. Are allowed to take you know take one every once in a while you know we'll take our L for sure you know so they definitely you know they definitely need some wide receiver help um, you know after those top five quarterbacks you know you're looking at like Kyle Trask like a Kellen Mond the sleeper here is Davis Mills from Stanford yeah he's been getting a lot of talk recently you know well he was a five five star prospect at a high school you know he came into Stanford with you know a lot of hope and. You know, obviously, it, you know, it didn't work out, but, you know, a lot of the talents there, you know, he's had some injury issues, um, you know, but he's he's still a prospect, you know, yeah. that's, that's the thing, you know, it, it, 
someone's going to take it. I mean, Russell Wilson was a third-round pick. For sure. Like, for sure. You, you know, know, I know we use the Tom Brady thing is, is overplayed because he was a six-round guy, and we could talk about the Kurt Warners of the world and stuff like that. But being more realistic and more recent, you know, again, you look at a third-round pick like Russell Wilson. You know, you look at guys that were second, third-round picks that, yeah. you know, yeah, still so, ended up. Yeah, you know, so New England, yeah, I mean, it's they, they I do think they're going to take a quarterback, obviously. Because um, we know that Stidham and <laughs> is not the answer. Um, and I think they thought he was. You know, I oh, really, for sure. I really do. I think. I, I, I was asking, you know, just recently, who was louder last year, the Josh Rosen truthers or the Jared Stidham truthers? Because they were both like, oh, you're going to see. This is the guy. This is the guy. And uh, neither one of those guys were the guy. Yeah. Now they're a guy. <laughs> for sure. You know, so New England, I think they're going to see what they have with Cam this year. Um, you know, because, I mean, let's be honest, this is Cam's year, right? Yeah, I mean, if yeah, he doesn't, I mean, it's put up or shut up. Yeah, if he doesn't get it done with, with the talent that he has around him, I mean, I, I think that's it. You know, so does New England, you know, take the chance and, and ride with Cam and not have a, a plan B? Or, you know, because the last thing New England wants is to sign all these free agents and then head into next yeah. year having to draft. I mean, that just completely resets everything for you, doesn't it? You know, In, with, Unless that's your plan anyway. You know, that's what I'm saying. All of this, to me, feels like a Bill Belichick exit sign. Now, granted, like you said, if he wins a Super Bowl, for sure, I think it's a done deal. If he doesn't, then maybe there's enough pettiness, you know, to, and that's not a bad thing. You know, I aspire to be the level of petty that Bill Belichick is. But, like, maybe there's enough there to, to bring you back for another year. But if the goal is, listen, me and Jimmy Johnson are going to be down on our boat next year, you know, this is going to happen regardless, then you're not as worried about where you leave the team going into next year. And the best part is, Bill Belichick, the coach, gets to go, well, let me run this by the GM. Oh, wait, I am the GM. Done deal. So he's got full authority to do whatever he wants. He's not worried about what the team's draft capital is going to be in three years and stuff like that. Like, I, I Personally, if you know he sees the exit sign, then I don't think so. He's basically, you're saying if he sees the exit sign, he's going to sell his years down the road for now. Yes, he's going to push chips them in. chips into the middle of the table. Okay. Yeah, you know, so you know, New England at 15, it'll be interesting to see what they do if they trade up. Um, you know, and it, it's going to be interesting too to see. You know, everybody's sick of New England, right? Unless you're a Patriots fan, the last thing you want to do is to ever help New England. You know, so I think if they do want to trade up, teams are going to try to fleece them for everything they can. I, I really do. I see that. Situation. But I mean, Bill's Bill's no slouch. Like he's not going to make a bad decision for, sure. for you know. For he's sure. not going to give up three number ones to come from you know fifteen to seven or something like that. Like, but to your argument, he would give up whatever he needs to get give up to move up and take a guy. Yeah, I mean, if he felt somebody was really there in the for battle, sure. you know. You know, so yeah. okay. You know, so, so that'd be interesting to see. Um, you know, so one thing that's interesting with New England and the draft, um, Bill Belichick has always had success finding, you know, value, you know, in the for draft. Sure. Um, you know, Especially in later rounds. For sure. You know, we're not just talking about Tom Brady, you know, in the sixth round. We're talking, you know, overall. You know, he knows how to, how to draft as far as, you know, so perceived value basically in the draft. Um, you know, it's amazing how in these past couple of years, you know, take the running back position, for example, it's for sure it's been devalued so much because you know when you have say a James Robinson 
Oh my God! You know what a what a steal that sure. was for Jacksonville. For sure. Can you imagine like you're sitting there number one overall, you're ready to take uh, Trevor Lawrence, and oh, you've already got this gem of a running back that you found out of nowhere. For sure, and there's a lot of them. You know, Antonio Gibson yep. from from Washington. Um, you know, like you know, last year second round. Um, you know, J.K. Dalvin's just sitting on the board and. It yeah, just, everybody was screaming for like sure. you know. You know, it was amazing that you know they fell off that far, and I think this year is you know kind of the same thing. You know, you have Travis Etienne from Clemson, um, you have Najee Harris from Alabama, and you have Javante Williams, Williams from yeah. yeah from North Carolina. Both the guys from North Carolina. Yeah, Carter's you know pretty good. He's on the smaller size, but you know so you have these three top you know perceived value perceived backs. And I wouldn't be surprised to not see a single one of them drafted in their first round. Wow. You think Najee will make second? Well, you think it's possible. I, 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 do. mean, I don't want to put words I in I do think mouth. it's possible. So, I mean, Travis Etienne and, and uh, Najee, you know, they're both, it's almost like 1A, 1B. I mean, obviously they have different skill sets. Um, you know, even, you know, some guys even like Javante Williams better, you know. You know, a power back who, you know, can fight and get you those extra yards. I just... With teams finding so much success in the later rounds, you know, drafting a running back in the first round is is almost seems like a wasted pick, you know. And, and there's other positions like that, you know, like tight end, for example. Um, you know, Pitts is obviously the exception because he could also play. You know, he's a wide receiver type. You know, he's not. And that, after that, it's fur and everybody else. For sure, you know, like, the guy. If he's talking about the guy from Penn State, um, yeah, I you can't know, say his name. It's like Rosenbagger, Rosenfrigger. Like I just I, I can't get it right. You know, so there's these positions. You know, so you got you got basically you got what tight end, um, you know, guard, center uh, is also you know interior uh, offensive lineman, um, and safeties. You know, kind of fall into that you know perceived value where you know you're better off taking one you know maybe second, third, later rounds. Yeah, and we talked about uh, on the live space that we did that. Uh, even run like I was arguing against my own intelligence because you look at the teams that are winning Super Bowls, they're doing it running back by committee, they're doing it on the cheapest running back room in the NFL. Like nobody who is is winning the Super Bowl with you know the Adrian Petersons of the world, the Saquon Barkleys, the Zeke Elliotts, the Christian McCaffreys. Like th- those guys like on those big contracts aren't the the teams that are winning the Super Bowl. So I know this. I study this extensively, and I'm still sitting there in the first round going, ooh, does Najee fall to me? Take him, let's go. And it's so hard. Like, we talked about the sirens luring you to the rocks, but you're right. Like, it's it's a perceived drop in value for a reason. These teams know that they can find talent in the second, third round, or even undrafted free agents. And the reason that you have that mindset of taking a running back early is because, you know, that's how it used to be. Um, you know, I remember the year where I believe Ronnie Brown went two, Cedric Benson went four, Carnell Williams went five. I mean, hell, look at Ricky Williams, you know. For Dick sure. sent his whole draft over and said, fuck For it, sure. let's go, send it and, in. And could you imagine that situation? Oh, my you, God, you would be never. Fi- you would be fired immediately. Yeah, can, yeah. You, can you imagine, like, like, picture that now. Picture Mickey Loomis. Picture, you know, Sean Payton getting together in a room and saying, listen, this Najee Harris kid, I'll tell you what. Let's just send the entire draft. Just send whatever we have, and we're going to go get Najee Harris. I mean, I like, think you could have a running back break every single season record in college. Yeah, it doesn't and, matter. And, and it still wouldn't matter, you know? 
You know, that's and that doesn't mean to say that a, a superior one can't go top three, top five, but the the class as a sure, whole, overall, like overall perceived value. That's why um, you know the Giants got so much for you know so much you know crap for picking uh, you know Saquon. You know, because, you know, perceived value. And, and that's never, you know, J-Man brings up an excellent point. It's never a knock on the player, right? It's not that, just like I talked about Sam Darnold, it's not a knock that the player's not great, that he can't be great, that Saquon is an amazing talent. It's what is the return on investment at a number two or a number three overall pick versus the return on investment if you get a running back at, say, you know, the third round, but you take a center or a guard at the number two, three overall pick. And if you don't think there are entire teams of people in these organizations that are sitting there breaking this down by the number, saying, literally assigning a score and saying, we get this much value back for an offensive lineman in this situation, whereas if we take an offensive lineman in the third round, the drop-off is huge, how it affects the game, how it affects the run game, the pass game, etc. Whereas the running back drop-off, of course is, there's going to be a drop-off, but it's not as much. It's the same thing in fantasy. When you're trying to make a trade and you're like, all right, I've got a top five running back, and I'm going to give him up for this running back who's not as good, but the wide receiver is going to add to me. I'm going to have to throw in a wide receiver who's not as good, but overall I come out ahead. That is the exact same things that NFL teams are trying to do. And to your point about the perceived value, that's why you see some of these positions that drop. And even if it's not Najee Harris, even if he goes, you know, top 20 or something like that, there is going to be one of these guys who, who strafes off into the second round. For sure. It's why quarterbacks obviously are moved up, you know, so much. Um, you know, wide receivers, you know, the, the difference with the wide receivers is this year's class is so deep. Um, you know, I understand you had those top three, but, you know, later rounds, even end of the first, uh, you know, with Tony from Florida, Bateman from Minnesota, um, you know, you had the kid from Purdue that you and I both love. Yeah, both the Moors. Rondell Moore is, is climbing and, up the charts. Yeah, People the like kid, him a lot. the kid from Ole Miss, you know, so there's a lot of, um, you know, wide receiver value is, is throughout. You know, take last year, for example. I mean, Justin Jefferson was, what, the fourth wide receiver taken? Um if I remember correctly, oh boy went ham. Yeah, and he just and know. who's his quarterback? Kirk Cousins. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why right, little Kirk Cousins love on the show for you. Yep. So you know, it's uh, it's just interesting to see you know kind of how this value plays out, and uh, obviously you know like we said, some players you know get moved up a little bit, um, but teams you know obviously have better success dra- drafting for value, um, you know. So it'd be interesting to see you know kind of where these guys you know fall in place and if a running back does get drafted in the first round I personally you know when I do my mock I'm gonna have a hard time um you know yeah yeah, you know you just and probably mess with the rest of your back end mock that's why that's why you gotta nail I mean and I think it's like everybody else you know your your goal is you know to get four of the top five to get seven of the top ten and then try to pick up a few, you know, because the further you stray from that center, the more of a, a crapshoot it, it kind of becomes. Oh, for sure. You know, back to running back, you know, a team going by committee, um, you know, that's another reason why, you know, drafting running back so high does this take a place. I mean, most teams, you know, they do go two, possibly even three deep. Um, you know, it keeps guys fresh, and it gives you, you know, different dimensions. You know, you don't have to find a uh, – 
you know, basically an all-purpose back, one who could do it all. When you have, you know, one guy who's good between the tackles, one guy who can run outside, maybe a pass-catching uh yeah, I was speaking back. to some 49ers fans, and uh, one of them was saying, oh, we just need a bell cow back. And I was like, have you met the Shanahans? Do you know how they operate? That's yeah. that's not happening. Yeah, no, I mean, these guys, you know, a lot of these guys like the committee, and, uh, you know, then you take the hot hand individually for yeah. game, and, you know, that's kind of how And God forbid up. somebody gets hurt, your drop-off isn't, you know, huge. For sure, yeah. If you only have one guy and not one guy gets hurt, I mean... Like, Derrick Henry goes down, like, that's that's it. That's a problem. For sure. Um, you know, so it, you know, it'd be interesting to see where these, uh, you know, where these running backs go when kind of, uh, you know, these other positions. You know, safety, like I had just mentioned. You know, it's a kid from TCU, Maury. You know, after that, you know, it's, you know, it's finding those guys in the second, third round. You know, like your Richie Grant from UCF, and you know, a couple of these other guys. I'm excited, man, and I can't wait for your mock. Um, I know the listeners. I'm, I'm sure at least a, a few of them can't wait for your mock. Um, I'm going to definitely get our scoreboards up and running. So I, I wait until Daniel, Jeremiah, and these guys put out their final ones because, you know, you do one and done. But uh, we'll have that up live on draft night. And uh, as we get closer, excuse me, closer to the, uh, to the draft, you know, I'm going to try to get with you more and, and we'll try to work it out with the schedule so we can have you on. But uh, this was a blast, brother. Like, I, I appreciate you being on, man. I'm excited for the draft. For sure, I'm I am, too. You know, I'm excited. Uh, you know, like Walter just said, our next episode, you know, I want to get into rankings a little bit more. Um, you know, kind of touch on these guys and, you know, not expose too much, obviously, about my mock. But, you know, I could do that without, you know, basically showing where I have guys ranked and, um, you know, how, you know, in certain situations, you know, where they could be um so it'll be interesting to do that i look forward to the mock and i thank you for having me on brother yeah man for sure so uh and if you want to read up on any of the articles that j-man has laid down so far again regulatorspod.com all of those links are of course on our twitter page at regulatorspod we're going to be doing uh, a couple more giveaways before we get to the draft but draft night man i got to look at some of the merch we have to give away for draft night and it is going to be insane we will be live we will be live pre-draft, during draft, post-draft, and uh, we invite you guys to uh, join in and uh, ask us questions and, and join in on the conversation on, on Twitter spaces, so that'll be a lot of fun. But uh, until next week, you know, try to have a good week. I, I know it's hard counting the days, the minutes, the hours until NFL draft. We're all fiending for some kind of NFL action, but uh, find us on Twitter, and we love to talk shit in the meantime. So we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for joining. Regulators! Regulators!